Bonjour. Hello. Hola. Marhaba bikum. Welcome to Your Planet from AFP, brought to you in association with The Conversation. I'm Anna Cunningham. Thanks for joining us on our journey of discovery as we explore the possible solutions that could help move the planet into a more sustainable future. We've already delved deep into the Earth's epoch to uncover what it tells us about where our Earth is now. We've stepped back in time to the 1980s to understand what lessons can be learned from the crisis of the ozone layer. And we've examined carbon capture and the nuclear dilemma. This time, we're looking into the future of the world's forests and how important they are to our planet's stability. But could climate projects involving forest conservation, those that promise to offset our carbon emissions, ultimately be the wrong solution for the climate crisis? Stay with us to find out. This is Your Planet from AFP. Let's take a walk deep into the forest. It's good for the soul, we're told, to spend time in nature, the fresh air, the wildlife. At this preschool in Solna in Sweden, children learn, play, eat and nap outside, whatever the weather. Johanna Carlsen is the school's director. Just get more fresh air. They sleep lo- longer and sleep better. So it's very nice to get the fresh air all day long. They have that sense and love for nature when they grow up and they become older and adults. And then it's important for them when they have kids on their own that they want their kids to be f- fall in love with nature. Forests around the world play a vital part in our climate, taking in carbon dioxide and expelling oxygen. Scientists are steadfast on this. Forests around the world must be saved because they play a key role in tackling climate change. The French botanist and biologist Francis Hallet is a specialist on tropical rainforests and tree architecture. He explained to AFP why forests are vital for two essential planetary boundaries, our atmosphere and biodiversity. La forêt humidifie le climat. A forest humidifies the climate. It produces rain. The links between forests and rainfall are now very well understood. Rain feeds the water tables. In these times of water shortages and drought, we already have the solution at hand. I can't emphasize it enough. More forests means fewer droughts. Above all, forests play an essential role in protecting both animal and plant biodiversity. Come with us deep into the Congo Basin rainforest, the second largest tropical forest in the world next to the Amazon. The basin spans six countries, Cameroon, Central African Republic, Democratic Republic of Congo, the Republic of Congo, Equatorial Guinea and Gabon, some 220 million hectares. It's known as the lungs of Africa, but it's not just useful to the continent of Africa. 
The World Bank says forests in Gabon, for example, annually absorb the carbon equivalent to a third of France's annual total emissions. Unlike the Amazon, where deforestation has been widespread for many years, forests in the Congo Basin are well preserved. Bonaventure Sonke is a botanist and professor at the University of Yaoundé in Cameroon in Central Africa. Elles sont autant préservées pour deux raisons. Certaines le sont du fait de leur enclavement. They are healthy for two reasons. Some of them are because they're landlocked, because they're not easy to access, and also because national policies and forestry laws over the last few years have been designed to preserve these forests as much as possible. The other reason is that local companies don't always have the means to exploit them, and so much the better for these forests. But these forests are under threat despite being essential for the well-being of local populations who use their resources like an open-air pharmacy, taking plants for their health care. Gabonese Mark Honor Essengi is an environmental activist and the executive secretary of the non-governmental organisation called Brain Forest. These forests need to be preserved for the survival of Africans and above all for humanity as a whole through the changes that take place between oxygen and carbon dioxide. So how do you make sure these essential forests are protected? Well, this is where carbon offsets come into the picture. On the face of it, they sound like a good deal. Wealthy businesses that emit CO2 could, in theory, compensate their emissions by, for example, financing forest conservation or new tree plantation projects. It's something that Gabon has been advocating for years. Here's the former president of Gabon, Ali Bongo. It's a fact. There is no better investment than investing in our forests. The idea of carbon offsetting is that we compensate for carbon dioxide emissions that we ourselves have added to the atmosphere, for example, from plane travel, car journeys or food production. These carbon credits have been used since 1988. Some nation-to-nation projects are mandatory, regulated by the UN, and others, those bought directly by companies, exist entirely within the private sector and are known as the voluntary carbon market. They can also finance CO2-reducing projects, such as wind turbines, for example, in Turkey, or the purchase of environmentally friendly stoves for Somali households. It sounds like a win-win. Well, it's not that straightforward. When it comes to forests, sometimes it does work, but there are many challenges. Let's get the thoughts of Alain Carcenti, a French environmental economist. In this half of the market, which is about $1 billion in sales, you have about 80 to 85% of carbon credits linked to forest conservation, which means projects in which we say these are endangered forests. We're going to set up a project that will avoid deforestation. The problem is that it's very difficult to know if we're really avoiding deforestation or if we've done nothing at all. Carcenti goes further in his explanation of why it's hard to prove that a project has really avoided deforestation. 
Some carbon credits may be relatively effective, but for the majority of carbon credits, we'll be absolutely unable to know how much emissions have actually been avoided or how much carbon has been avoided or stored in additional ways. So the question is, how do we really know that deforestation has genuinely been avoided? Well, in some cases, local forests were never really in danger. And what if you're planting a sapling? How long will it take for that tree to grow and how long will it last? Is it being properly monitored in the long term? How much carbon dioxide will really be captured? And what if there was a forest fire? What then? Instead, it begs the question, are companies such as airlines, for example, buying themselves a cleaner, greener conscience without actually making a difference to emissions? The European consumer organisation Birk has accused 17 airlines of misleading consumers. It called for a continent-wide investigation into claims that passengers are given the impression that flying is sustainable by offering so-called green fares. Monique Goyens is Birk's director general. Ah ben bien sûr, c'est tout à fait du greenwashing parce que le transport aérien par définition n'est pas Of course, it's all greenwashing because air transport by definition is not carbon neutral. There's a huge difference between the CO2 emissions you'd be contributing to by taking a plane and the future potential of these offsetting projects. That also means that consumers think they can continue to take planes because they're carbon neutral, whereas it would be much better to develop mechanisms or means of transport that are actually much more sustainable. In 2021, a joint investigation by the UK's Guardian and Unearth, the investigative arm of Greenpeace, found that major airlines were using unreliable so-called phantom carbon credits to claim their flights were carbon neutral. The airlines claim the CO2 emissions from flying were being theoretically cancelled out by them paying to avoid emissions elsewhere, such as those from deforestation. Last August, a study published in Science, the International Journal of Peer-Reviewed Research, examined 18 large-scale forest offsetting projects. It concluded that only 6% actually resulted in carbon reduction. The environmental economist Alan Carcenti is not convinced the carbon credit market has a long-term future. Today, on the voluntary market, the price of carbon has fallen, so we have a market that's probably starting to have a bit of a stir. One or two more articles like this Guardian investigation, and I think the market will be dead. Let's get some final thoughts from Dr. Mark Trexler, a specialist in climate change scenario planning. He's been advising companies on climate strategies for more than three decades and was himself part of the team that developed the first ever carbon offset project. In a sense, yeah, we created a Frankenstein in, in the climate change world that, that has ended up distracting so much attention and giving you know so much false hope in a sense. It's not just offsets. It's also sort of the whole focus on carbon footprints and everybody calculating their carbon footprint as if that's going to make a difference. 
So you know, we've we've been talking about trees forever in terms of, of climate change, and you know, trees can help slow things down while we have time to transition to a low carbon economy, et cetera, et cetera. But we never actually do the transitioning to a low carbon economy. All the experts that AFP has spoken to agree protecting nature is paramount to the future of our planet and nature-based solutions will help. But they also warn that companies must not fall down the slope of so-called greenwashing, allowing them to make claims they're benefiting the planet, when in reality, that's not the case. The future of our forests and the role they play remains key to the planet's sustainability. I'm Anna Cunningham. This has been an AFP audio production. Next time on Your Planet, we'll explore one of the key essentials to life on Earth, water. We'll examine why the climate crisis is creating conflict over water, but also, hopefully, cooperation. And if you're keen to get a further understanding about the way scientists calculate the amount of CO2 that's captured by trees for carbon capture projects, then do head to The Conversation. You'll find an article there written for our podcast by Nicolas Barbier. Details are on our page. The producers are Camille Kaufman and Antoine Boyer. The executive producer is Michaela Cancela-Kiefer, Sound design is by Nicolas Ver. You can reach us with your thoughts on all that we're covering here on your planet. Email us podcasts at afp.com. As always, please do leave us a review so others know where to find us. Thanks for listening. <laughs>